Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSIN, the sports betting network. Okay, so we got the NBA and NHL finals both approaching their respective game threes. The world of golf flipped on its head. A huge star in Major League Baseball done for the year and your daily dose of the NFL. So safe to say we got a jam-packed two hours ahead on the Lombardi line presented by BetMGM. I'm Stormy Bonantoni. Alongside, like we are every Wednesday here on the program, Jonathan Von Tobel, VEASAN host, senior NBA analyst. Yeah, lots to unpack today, it seems. How are you? Uh, good. I'm very good. You know, at least I knew that I was coming in today, unlike many members of the PGA Tour who did not know that they were merging with uh, their hated rivals. So that's at least a good thing. Too. Yeah, I uh, was talking to Michael on the program yesterday and certainly didn't anticipate leading off our NFL right. show talking all things golf yesterday. But I, like, what was your initial reaction to finding everything out? Same as the players, I imagine? Uh, yeah, I had to read everything twice. Because actually what, what it came down for me was it was just the statement first that I saw on Twitter. I was like, oh, what is this? And so I read it. I'm like, am I reading this right? Like, are they actually, they're, they're merging? What is happening here? So uh, it was a surprise, especially considering every other point that everybody has made, and rightfully so, that every word out of Monahan's mouth has been, ah, no, we're not going to merge those guys. Come on, that's not important. And then here we are. So I was reading a great article. It's up on ESPN. And I, um, it's essentially put, they talked to a sports economist out in Notre Dame. And it's simply put, Stormy, um, bottom line is going to push you to do things that you say mm -hmm. you're never going to do. And especially when you're in lawsuits and you don't want certain things getting out in discovery. And all of a sudden, you can meet in the middle and come together because, hey, man, we don't want to spend millions of dollars on lawyers. And there's things that we don't want people to find out. So I think it's pretty simply put. Yeah. And I mean, the quote that's been going kind of rampant, I feel like when it comes to the hypocrisy, hypocrisy for Jay Monahan was as long as I'm commissioner of the PGA Tour, no player who ever takes live money will play on the PGA Tour again. And now here we sit asking, hey. Technically, you still could be right. What if they rename it? Well, so that's the thing, right? <laughs> so this this new entity that's going to be combined with the right. 
with the three tours kind of all coming mm. together. What's it going to be? It's a for-profit entity now, which yep. the PGA Tour had not been previously. It's like a lot of different angles here. One thing I thought was really cool, though, so obviously they have the, the players meeting yesterday. No secret, very contentious um, from a lot of different angles. Everybody coming for the commissioner's head. Um, there was even a moment where one of the like lesser-known PGA Tour players was kind of coming for Monaghan specifically. Rory McIlroy says something back to him, and then he gets an F off in return. So there's just, you know a lot of things happening. But McIlroy specifically was asked kind of about like what he knew about the situation. He said that he had received a call earlier in the day kind of breaking down things. He knew that there had been talks but didn't know what was within those talks or anything that was going to come about it. So he found out the same day as everybody else. But when asked in a press conference about his about how he still feels about Live Golf because he has been very, very outwardly shunning this league and against it and talking about the tradition and legacy of the PGA Tour. Well, listen to what he had to say because he's still not a fan evidently. But it's not live. I think that's the thing. I still hate live. Like, I hate live. Like, I, I hope it goes away. And I would fully expect that it does. Um, and I think that's where the distinction here is. This is the PJ Tour, the DP World Tour, and the PIF. Very different from live. All I've got, tried to do is protect what the PJ Tour is and what the PJ Tour stands for. And I think it will continue to, to do that. Um, so, look, going forward, I hope that there's, you know, there may be a team element and you're going to see maybe me, maybe whoever else play in some sort of team golf, but I don't think it'll look anything like Liv has looked. And I think that's a good thing. Thoughts? Uh, I mean, look, this is a guy, I think this is one of the dudes that we know, right, has stuck his neck out quite a bit with his words. He said it right there at the beginning. So, I mean, I think he's kind of right. I think you're trying to find the positive here when you're a guy who has uh, been saying as much as he has and as outspoken as he has. And as he says, you know, like this is, what is it? Like the something investment fund. I don't know what the P stands public. for. There we go. Public investment. Thank you. That he's referencing there. So, like, I guess theoretically, is he right? Sure. But at the end of the day, look, Rory, I'm sure, feels like he's got some egg on his face considering uh, how publicly outspoken he's been, taking up the mantle for the PGA Tour, doing it again there, by the way, talking about everything the PGA Tour has stood for. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's some, you know, religious entity. I, I think this is kind of what you expect. And now you got to kind of come back and put out some fires because you've been starting a lot if you're a guy like Rory and kind of understand why he's upset. Yeah, I'm very curious to see ultimately how all of this is going to play out. Uh, again, it is a relationship between the PGA Tour, DP World Tour, and PIF. Um, the, I mean, they have more than $600 billion in assets. So they are going to be the leading investor mm-hmm. in all of this. The PGA Tour supposedly is still going to have like control, but all of the money obviously coming from that side. So um, it's a business story. It's a geopolitical story. It's obviously a sports and sports betting story. And we'll see how ultimately things get impacted on our side of things with, I mean, I think it's good that better players you imagine are going to be back in all of these collective fields. We'll see what happens with like, are they getting their PGA tour cards back? Is that Mm. how that's going to play out? I'm not sure. So still a lot that we have to figure out when it comes to this. And um, hopefully no more cringeworthy interviews like the one I saw of Bryson DeChambeau this morning on CNN. Did you see that? I saw this one. It was so uncomfortable. Yeah, I was talking about Caitlin Collins, I think is her name. Like uh, talking, I don't know, man. Like it's like you said, it's kind of weird, everything going on. I'm kind of not tired of hearing it because it is interesting and we'll see 
I mean, at the end of the day, too, the PGA Tour, I do think, not needed some life injected into it, but it'd be nice to see some changes in terms of, like, game format, and if you get some interesting stuff, uh, maybe it draws more eyes to the product, so we'll see if that actually is going to be something that comes of it, but yes, that was a weird interview, uh, to Rory, say the least. Rory McIlroy, by the way, favored to win the Canadian Open that will get underway tomorrow. Obviously, he's got a lot on his mind. See if this might be Playing a fade spot. Playing with a chip spot. on his shoulder, huh? I was going to say maybe a fade spot for Rory. Got a lot going on in his in his head right now. Let's talk a little NBA. Um, final shift to South Beach for Game 3 tonight. 5.30 Pacific, 8.30 Eastern tip-off on ABC. Series now tied at 1 after Miami has a fourth-quarter rally to um, surprise upset Denver. Their first loss on home court all postseason. Game 3 tonight. Nuggets sitting a two-and-a-half-point favorite on the road in that bounce-back spot total 214 and a half initial thoughts here um, with game three headed back to Miami so the way I wrote about it this morning is you know I think the story throughout this series uh, from a pre-flop betting standpoint has been the total you know we're, we're down to 214 and a half this open 216 and a half if you remember game one there were some like some tepid kind of uh, bet to the under it opened like 219 we're down to like 218 and a half didn't really move a ton and that game went well under. I think it had 197 points. So then you see game two, the market adjusts. And it's like, okay, well, let's cut this down four and a half points. Uh, and then, of course, what happens? Uh, we start to see that from 214.5 get bet back up to 216.5. That game goes over the total. So, uh, the, you know, the way I framed it in the story today, Stormy, was, okay, you have two different games, two different results. How do you kind of find the middle here and find out what's going on? And I think that we have a couple of constants. And the, the biggest constant right now is the pace of this series. 91 possessions in game one is an absolute slog. It's incredible how slow that is. That's walking the ball up the court. 86 possessions in game two. Mm -hmm. So despite historic offensive numbers, we're talking about two teams that had offensive ratings in game two of over 120. We had the highest individual quarter offensive rating for a team all season in the Miami Heat. They had an offensive rating of 180 in the fourth quarter. But the fascinating part... Yeah, it was like 68% from yep. the floor, right? Or something like that. You know what's stupid. fascinating, too? If you look at... So you can sort... You know, I've shown you all the stats you can sort through and everything like that. So if you look at the fourth quarter alone, if the game had been played at the pace that fourth quarter went off at, that they would have had 78 possessions in the game. So think about that. How we, we combined for over 60 points in that fourth quarter, and yet it was one of the slowest paces you're going to see. So you saw hyper-efficient offense. You saw agonizingly slow pace. So I'd ask you, what do you think is more sustainable? Agonizingly slow pace, which is intentional. Remember, you're playing a 2-3 zone on one side. You're walking the ball up the court. Miami, I put it in perspective, uh, in terms of transition frequency off the of live rebounds, they're at 7.8%. To keep in mind, the slowest team in that category in the regular season was Houston at 20.8%. All of that's intentional or the hyper-efficient offense. I don't know about you. I would say, right, the pace is going to be something that's sustainable. So I think the market's getting this right and betting this thing under again. You know, we open that 216.5. We're down to 214.5. Miami is dictating pace. And Denver's going to be more than comfortable doing it. These are two teams that are in 24th and 28th in pace in the regular season. So it's not like anybody's dying to get out and run. Denver is good in fast break opportunities, but they pick and choose their spots to get those. I, I think this is the story here for today is how we're going to see this play out from a pace and scoring standpoint. And I think the market's getting this right. Because if we're going to get under 90 possessions again, I mean, we're talking like a game that's similar to game one. So with that, obviously on game day, you're going to get more and more public yeah. money that comes in today. Where do you see that total maybe settling come game time? See, given the fact that we're starting to see 214s already appear here, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we start to see a dip a little bit. Um, and as we're speaking, too, one of the interesting things, because I haven't really had a read in terms of the side. I do have a series bet on Denver to win this thing, uh, minus one and a half games. But uh, right now, in the last, what is this, 10 minutes, we've seen multiple spots go to three here on Denver. 
So it does seem like the public sentiment, or not even public sentiment, just the market sentiment right now is coming in on the Denver Nuggets while the total is creeping under. But I would think that we're probably going to close. Just reading the market now, I wouldn't be surprised if our close is like Denver 3 with a total of 214. The Nuggets on the road this playoffs has been a very different team, I would say, overall than we've seen them at home. Obviously, like 9-1, and one, their points per game differential, plus 10.5 versus on the road, 4-3, and three, and plus 4 Point one point differential opponent uh, point per game allowed significantly different defensive rating from 108.8 to 116.4. Um, so it seems like on the road, they're a little bit of a different team. Does this number, did it seem right to you? Yeah, I think so. Like, again, you don't, you want to be, you want to be stubborn, I guess, is the term we'll use in terms of your power ratings, right? You don't want to over adjust. Remember we go back to game three or excuse me, game four in the Miami Boston series. What happened so the market got a little overzealous, made Boston four and a half point favorite on the road for game three, but then game four flipped five and a half points in the other direction to Miami. And what happened, Miami, of course, loses that game. We know what happens from there. But I would say, too, like Denver has not been the same at home or excuse me, on the road. But still, how about mm-hmm. this net rating in terms of non-garbage time on the road in the postseason this year? The second place team is the Boston Celtics at plus 0.7. Denver plus 4.9. They're still pretty darn good, even playing away from home. Very true. Again, a two and a half, and in some places, as JVT just told us, three-point favorite going into game three in Miami. Tyler Hero looks like he's going to remain sidelined tonight. No need to rush him with the series tied at one. Cody Zeller is probable, but, I mean, he's a liability. Probable probably ain't great for Miami (laughs) there. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSIN, the sports betting network. It's time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app, BetMGM Sports. BetMGM has all your favorite wagering options along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and more. Download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the Strip with your state-issued ID. Open up an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM's state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Great start of our conversation regarding NBA Finals Game 3 coming up tonight in Miami. We will get plays as well a little bit later from Harry Gagnon, former sportsbook supervisor, great handicapper these days, and um, and just general props perspective, a lot of different angles on Game 3 and the series moving forward. We'll also, in about 15 minutes, talk NHL Stanley Cup Final with Dave Gosher, play-by-play voice of the Vegas Golden Knights, um, here locally with AT&T Sportsnet. Get the lowdown on what he thinks might happen with Game 3 there as the series shifts to Florida as well. But uh, we'll start off here with the big news in Major League Baseball because Mm. just, what is it, six starts in to a five-year, $185 million deal for Jacob deGrom with the Texas Rangers. And he has to have Tommy John surgery done for the year already. Uh, Second Tommy John surgery of his career as well. I think he had it 10 years ago or so. Yeah, 2011. Yeah, man, that sucks. Like, especially like when you, when you know, first off how good he is, right? They're just him individually. It sucks to not be able to watch Jacob Duran pitch. And especially given his history in terms of health, uh, not being able to consistently perform is, is uh, terrible. Then you look at the big picture here. 
look, this is a Texas Rangers team that has everything going for them. This is the, arguably the best lineup in baseball. I mean, Stormy, I've told you before, they, they go all the way down one through eight. Their eight-hole hitter last night is Ezekiel Duran, a young kid who's hitting 301, I think, still on the season. Absolutely brilliant. Like, th- there is a lot to like about this Texas team, and arguably the biggest weakness is its pitching staff. And if DeGrom could come back, if they were going to be a buyer at the deadline and acquire somebody else, th- this is going to be a team that's had some really high hopes in the AL West and in, I think in the entire thing. And the fact that he's not going to be there – uh, it really does suck. So uh, there's a lot of just negatives and just just terrible things coming some, from something like this. So hopefully DeGrom can be healthy. You know, he mentioned maybe coming back next year, making a push near the end of the season. We'll see if that's going to be the case. But as we know, health has been a really big issue for DeGrom, and it just doesn't seem to be going anywhere. And that really sucks for a really talented dude. Yeah, he hadn't thrown more than 100 innings since 2019. And like nope. you said, the second time he's got this surgery, had a pretty emotional response as well when speaking about the injury with reporters. Take a listen to that. Yeah, as I said, it's, it stinks. You want to be out there. It's just not ideal, but, um, you know, get this behind me and give it all I got and, you know, come back. The goal, you know, I'm going to set a goal to try to be back next year towards the end of the year. So work towards that and, you know, hopefully we're in a playoff run next year. And, and you know, but, you know, the most important things this year and these guys that we have, like I said, it's a special group and, um, you know, want to be here uh, rooting them on. Yeah, so it's just, like, I mean, that's the one thing. I'm, I feel like I was trying to come back. It just don't work. Yeah, so, sucks to see that. Um, and clearly it has a big impact on him. And, and to his point, yeah, getting back next year would be great. And mm-hmm. that would be certainly ahead of schedule. But this year is where you want to be out here and where you want to be supporting this group. Four and a half game lead right now in the AL West. They're 40 wins, good for the second most in all of Major League Baseball right now, plus 155 run differential for the team, and a team that's looking to make a deep postseason run now. So now what do they do? Um, do they try to go bolster that rotation, make a move uh, at some point? I mean, look, this is a team that's been built on acquisitions. You know what I mean? Like going and signing guys, going to get Seager, going and get Mark Simeon. They're not afraid, I think, to go and acquire whatever they need, it seems. Uh, to make their team better. So I I thought, regardless of this news yesterday, that they were going to be a buyer at the deadline to pair somebody up with DeGrom. Because you even look like, okay, at this point right now, their leader in terms of innings pitch, Nady Evaldi, 80 and a third. He's been good. His numbers would indicate that that's pretty tight. Uh, 224 ERA, 0.93 whip. Is there some room for regression there for Evaldi? Sure, but it's not like anything crazy. But Stormy, you look at some of their other guys. For example, John Gray, who's going to get the start later today. He's got a 251 ERA. You would think, wow, that's brilliant. John Gray's awesome. Well, actually, if you look at his numbers, there's some real signs for regression there. Martin Perez, their second leader in terms of innings pitched at this point right now, kind of the same thing. If you look at it, a uh, what are we looking at? 397 ERA, 477 expected fielding independent. So just, you know, like an average pitcher, as the season goes along, this pitching staff will probably start to show its warts. That's why it was so important to get to Grom's. I would say I thought this was a team that was probably going to go get some more help. Bullpen is the same thing probably accelerates the process mm-hmm. a little bit more. You know, I've thrown out there um, uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, who's pitching very well over there in Detroit. Marcus Stroman is having a really, really good year for the Chicago Cubs, having a resurgent season. I say resurgent, he's actually been good. Uh, they've really been consistent throughout his entire career. Health has been an issue there. I would think that this means that the Texas Rangers, I thought they were favorites to be buyers. I just think that price tag now increases in terms of if you're laying a price, will they or won't they buy at the deadline? I would say absolutely. The uh, Astros, meanwhile, are going to be the favorite in the division, minus 125. Rangers there, plus 130 in the division, a 15-to-1 shot 
in the World Series odds. Let's go from Texas to D.C., where Commanders head coach Ron Rivera, he made waves a little bit earlier this offseason when he said Sam Howell would start 2023 as the Commanders' top option at quarterback. Where he'll finish remains to be seen, and Rivera told reporters yesterday that um, he's not actually committing to the former North Carolina product. Said, while Howell has a really good chance, he views it as a very open competition with Jacoby Brissett. Um, and talking about Brissett specifically said, I think Jacoby's shown us some things that have really caught people's attention. We talk about Jacoby as much as we talk about Sam. I just think we go through this process and until we play games, it would be unfair to start making assessments. Yeah. Uh, look, I think overall the quarterback room is kind of a nightmare for the Washington commanders. It's going to hold back a team that has a lot of talent in almost every single position. And look, if you get it from Sam Howell, maybe you get a Taylor Heineke type season, Let's not like like mince words here. Taylor Heineke was insanely lucky mm-hmm. as a quarterback for the Washington Commanders last season. So maybe if you get some of that luck, you bottle it up and you can get a couple of wins that you probably shouldn't. But it's it's been amazing to kind of watch this team operate with, I don't know, like not a lot of urgency at the most important position. You know what I mean? Like this is a team that's got a pretty open window if they were to solidify the quarterback position. That just hasn't been the case. So I would think this is the last year that they're doing it. And I can understand anybody that would want to buy in Stormy and think, hey, good, talented team, somewhat well-coached mm-hmm. team. Uh, you know, I have my questions in terms of how Ron Rivera adds wins at the margins overall with decision-making, but still just a generally good team that you might want to look at this and say, sure, they can pull it off, but the schedule does them no favors. The quarterback position does them no favors. I, I would think that this is the year where we finally start to see this magic evaporate. We're talking about a team that could likely pick inside the top 10 and then finally get their quarterback of the future because they desperately yeah. need it. Eight, eight, and one last season. Season win total this year set at six and a half, juiced slightly to the over at minus 120. And I mean, Jacoby Brissett last year was better probably than Deshaun Watson from what we saw in the regular season for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, 12 to six touchdown to interception ratio over 2,600 yards and an 89 1 passer rating, still four and seven mm. in those 11 starts. However, Howell, we saw very limited action that regular season finale against the Dallas Cowboys, went 11 of 19 for 169, a touchdown and a pick. But you know, as they say, when you have two quarterbacks, it usually means you have none. So not the best sighting there for the Washington Commanders. We'll see how new offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy um, can maybe try to pull things together over there. Uh, also for the New Orleans Saints, wide receiver Michael Thomas back on the field, told receive, told reporters that he expects to be 100% come training camp, uh, returning from that toe surgery he had after the week three injury last year. Can only help. You got a new quarterback, so we'll yeah. see if that's going to be the case. I, I still think that this Saints team – Again, a talented team. I think they're a little overvalued considering, you know, I don't know. I, I, Derek Carr is a good quarterback, not a great quarterback. We saw the regression last year. You had to, it's, I think it's somewhat troubling to go in McDaniel's system, get Devontae Adams, and have essentially a career worst year. If you're Derek Carr, we'll see yeah. if that's going to translate over here in New Orleans. Um, but I, I think overall, like, look, it's, an, it's a somewhat accurately rated team. I would say that the win total is probably closer to 8.5 than it is 9.5. Uh, and in that division, it's a lot more winnable than the odds would indicate. Mm-hmm. But it, but a piece like this, if he's going to be fully healthy, and that's a big if, that's going to go a long way to helping out New Orleans. A minus 165 shot to make the playoffs. And I would say expectations are pretty high because of the division that they play in and bringing in a guy like Derek Carr that they're favored in the NFC South. And what, 13 to 1 in the NFC, 35 to 1 Super Bowl odds. Thomas, by the way, even though we all know with uh, DeMar Hamlin back on the field, if he just gets into a game, it feels One like snap. he's going to be your comeback player of the year. But 65-1 to 1 for Thomas in the comeback player of the year odds. And, I, I mean, I guess while I say that with DeMar Hamlin, he was a 
full participant in drills yesterday for the first time, had the helmet back on. It has been a while. Um, Brandon Bean, their general manager there in Buffalo, said that the biggest hurdles for him are certainly going to be mental at this point over the physical um, after everything that he suffered last year, cardiac arrest on Monday night football, um, getting back to this point. He is a $5 favorite in comeback player of the year odds. Oh, that threw me off. Sorry, I was looking at something. Um, yeah, he should be. Like He takes one snap. It's the same thing with Alex Smith. Yeah. Alex Smith needed to take one snap, and he was going to win that award, and that was essentially going to be he did a it. lot more than that, by the way, Alex Smith, that year. Yeah, well, that was. I think that was before we got a little I – don't, I don't know how to phrase it. That's before we started thinking about awards like this, I will say, when it came to comeback player of the year. Yes, but um, just very happy to see that he is back on the field, though. And um, and for Saints fans, Michael Thomas yep. as well. Great, great news. We're going to take a quick break. Like I said, we already got into a little bit of the NBA Finals talk. Now let's talk Stanley Cup Final when we return. Get into the NHL with TV play-by-play voice on AT&T Sportsnet for the Vegas Golden Knights, who are up two games to none. Dave Gosher joins us on the Lombardi Line next. You said we have some news, though. Oh, big news in the world of football. Uh, looks like uh, Lionel Messi is going to transfer to Inter-Miami. That's a big deal. He's going to the MLS. How is that not a big deal? I hate you. What? Are you, what? Just one of the informal that audience. Is, that's very big news. And you'll laugh, but it's... It, it's it, it is. It's Lionel Messi deciding to come to America and play for Inter-Miami and MLS. When you say his name, are you supposed to say the S's like that? Or is it supposed to be more like a Z sound, like Messi? Or is it messy? I think it's messy. No, but I, you know what I'm saying, though? Like, I, when I you don't say really. it, is it? Okay. Never I've never heard anybody call him Lionel Messi. No, 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 no. Not, not a hard Z. But you're just giving, like, a really hard S here. Messi. Say, say his name? Like, Lionel Messi. Lionel Messi. Like, I don't know. I don't know. This sounds off. But continue. Go on. I'd like to have no more information about this. That's just, that's just it. That's just big news. Just wanted to mention it to our audience that, the you know, Lionel Messi, or Messi, I guess, uh, is deciding to transfer, and looks like it's going to be... Inter Miami. There's a thought that maybe yeah. he's going to be used like as a window to transfer back to Barca for like a couple of months, whatever it is. Very but just cool. I'm not gonna lie, I don't know anything about soccer. And I'm gonna call it soccer if that's all right with you. That's fine. Our, our audience is gonna hate me now. I just um, called it football so I could trick you so I could mention it before it's we came rude. Out. Well, let's go back to the, the football, football that show. I am more familiar with. Um a couple news items coming out of the AFC East. The Jets initially had a three day mandatory minicamp scheduled for next week, but Robert Sala elected that they are going to cancel that. His reasoning being that they're playing in that Hall of Fame game, so they're going to start training camp a week or so earlier than everybody else anyways. Just kind of make up for that time then. Your star quarterback in Aaron Rodgers has already been limited with a little bit of a calf strain. Why push guys mm. when they don't need it right now? Um, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I know some people have. Um, and also in the division, is this bad news or good news for Bills backers? Josh Allen made the cover of Madden 24. Yeah. The Madden curse, is that still a thing? We were going through it. I think you, you could maybe make an argument that it's the case. Uh, a lot of different off-field issues for some guys uh, when it comes to the cover. Uh, you know, divorce, losing your family, all sorts of stuff. Uh, but no, I don't Last I, I year's think was a good one, though, in honor of John Madden. Yep, it was. And I think that you're probably looking at this and going, ah, you know, in today's digital age, Stormy, I don't know if you know how this works nowadays, but like you get like six different covers and you know what I mean? It's not even really a cover anymore. Like for somebody like me, like I do have a PlayStation 5, but it's a digital only version. So you're not really dealing in covers anymore. It's just a little image that they put up there. And that thing changes every once in a while. So it's, 
It's a childhood dream, as Josh Allen put it. But for somebody who played Madden growing up, it doesn't carry the same weight as it used to, right? When you were like, all right, who's going to be on the cover this time around? There was the one year where I think, I think it was the year that Peyton Hillis won it, where there was like an actual 32-team bracket that you voted in. Like, I voted every single round, you know what I mean? You're trying to see who was going to get the cover. So it's, it's a cool honor. But it's not this like literal same cover as it was in years past. I used to love playing Madden back in the day. I've I don't play video games anymore, and I kind of miss it. And like there was something special about that sound coming up in the EA Sports. Right. It's in the game, you know. There's yeah, I love it. Well, hopefully it's good news for the Buffalo Bills, especially as they try I'm... to get over the hump here and win themselves a Super Bowl. Which I heard this question posed earlier today, and I think it's a worthwhile conversation of the quarterbacks in the AFC East. Who has the most at stake this year to you? Oh, I think it's Mac Jones, right? It's pretty easy. Is it? I mean, think about it. So Aaron Rodgers. I think there's a case to be made for all four. I mean, I guess. I think I would say at the top of the list, I think you're right. So I shouldn't dismiss all of them. But I think if we were ordering them, my personal order would be Mac Jones, Tua, then Aaron Rodgers, then Josh Allen. I think when you're talking about the top two, I mean, really, not your career's at stake. But the place where you thought you were going to be the quarterback for a really long time, you can make the argument that it boils down to this year for you. With Mac Jones, it's the same thing. Look, you're entering your third year. Now you have, again, you're back in a new offensive system. For some reason, a lot of people think that last year, where, you know, I don't know how you want to describe the situation that he was in, but that's somehow more representative of the first year when he was actually in a real system like Josh McDaniels. Mm-hmm. To a of Iloa, as we know, like, yeah, like, what is he? What's he going to be? Uh, are we going to see the same up and down nature? Are we going to see more of peak Tua, which we saw last year? And I think both of these guys, not playing for the careers essentially, but playing for their careers as franchise guy for the teams that they're respectively on. And that's why I would put them at the top of the list. Yeah, and Mac having to deal with the reports of Belichick maybe wanting to trade him earlier this offseason, the quotes of him wanting to re-earn the respect of the locker room. But yeah, you got an actual offensive coordinator this year, but Tua coming off the concussions when mm-hmm. he was out there on the field wants to prove that that wasn't a fluke, get the contract that he wants. Yep. I think the contract situation plays a huge role in that, which is why I think Tua for me would be the most at stake of the four. Um, but Rogers, like he comes in there with expectations to be the Jets savior. Uh, I'm not kidding. But, like, no, but I team... think the problem is he doesn't care. You know what I mean? Like, to have something at stake, it has yeah, to be a stake for you. Yeah, and his career has already been cemented. Right. That's fair. You know what I mean? Well, what about Josh Allen? I know, I, I believe that we both are ranking him fourth of four in this one, but still, like, making the playoffs is one thing, but fans in Buffalo have expectations of this team contending for Super Bowls year in and year out, and the window could be closing to an extent. Like, mm-hmm. you don't know how long this is going to last, and when you're playing in an AFC with Patrick Mahomes and with Joe Burrow week in and week out, like... I think that there's some some not maybe not at stake from a career standpoint, but your Super Bowl window closing absolutely. Yeah, I, I think so. I just I always view things like that as in look, you are you are a team and you are a player that has given your team the opportunity, the highest probability of winning a Super Bowl that you possibly can. You know what I mean? You're in position to potentially do it almost every single year because of your level of play. And thus, like narratively, is there something at stake for Josh Allen to finally break break through as we do all the time with these players? Sure, but then that would be the same thing for Joe Burrow. you got to break through and win one of these things, but I guess it's different for Burrow because he's actually been to the Super Bowl as opposed to Josh Allen or not, so I can understand it. I just, for me, if I'm a fan of a team or something, I, I'd kill for a team that's in the window that the Buffalo Bills are in, so I view everything as success. Buffalo plus 125 favorite to win the AFC East. Jets not far behind. Bills also a division win total, four and a half. 
So very high expectations for them within the division. We got to take a quick break around the corner. We begin hour two of the Lombardi line on VSIN. Thanks for watching. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like when the tailgate party shows up at your house after the big win. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this could sideline your savings. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Now that spring is here, it's time to focus on self-care and revitalize your personal care routine. Now through March 26, head in store, shop for all your favorite personal care essentials, and earn four times rewards points. Shop for items like Crest toothpaste, secret deodorant, Old Spice deodorant, or Gillette razors. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details.